can turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Brother Chuck wanted me to mention there will be there will be no choir practice. There'll be no choir practice this afternoon. But I do hope to see you tonight. The evening service at 6 o'clock will be looking at the life of Abraham and Lot uh, this evening. And uh, the destruction of Sodom. Our country, our society is slowly going towards Sodom. You don't have to be a brain scientist to figure that out. You just go to, go to Target. <laughs> you travel down to Target, you can see we're slowly, slowly, especially here in... <clears throat> In Gainesville, uh, we're slowly getting closer to Sodom and so and closer to destruction. That's sad on one, on one side, but on the other side, that means we're closer to heaven. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Hope you can join us at 6 o'clock. Mark chapter 11, verse 27 this morning. Mark chapter 11, verse 27, if you will turn there. It says in the scriptures, and they came again to Jerusalem. And as they was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priests and scribes and elders, and said to him, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question, and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did ye not believe him? But if we say of men, they feared the people. For all counted John that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto him, And Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Gracious Father, we thank you for this morning once again. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for the privilege of proclaiming your most holy word. I pray, Lord, today that you would help us as we look at this issue of authority. We know that all authority comes from you. You are our authority. And today, we willingly, submissively bow ourselves, hopefully not just physically, but in our own spirits to you, recognizing that someday every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Help us, Lord, get a grip on this all-important area of the importance of authority in our life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When Christian Herter, who was governor of Massachusetts, was looking one day after he was tired and a little bit hungry, he was looking to feed himself a little something. He ran across a church. Can't think of a better place to find some food than a good old Baptist church, especially on a, on a day when they're getting the chicken out and the barbecue. And so he was looking for some boats and came across this church and thought to himself, you know, I want to uh, go in there and maybe get a little bit of chicken. And while I'm getting some chicken, try to drum up a few boats. So he was in the line to get chicken and he was kind of hungry. He hadn't had a whole lot of breakfast, so he got in line, and he said to the lady who was, said to the lady who was giving out chicken, "Can you? I, I, I got one piece. Can you give me another piece of chicken?" And the lady said, "Sir, it's one piece of chicken to one customer. That's it." And he said to her, "Ma'am, 
I'm kind of hungry this morning. You know, I haven't had a whole lot. And would you give me one more piece of chicken? And, he said, and she repeated, sir, it's one piece of chicken. So one person. He thought to himself, now this guy, you know, he, he was he's usually calm and collective, as, as, and he's a politician, so you know how they are. So he said to the lady who was giving out chicken, ma'am, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of the state of Massachusetts. The lady said, looked at him, sir, do you know who I am? I'm the woman giving out chicken. Move along. Ooh, that chicken giving woman is a pretty important person. See, she might, he might be the governor of Massachusetts, but he did not have the authority to tell that woman to give him more than one piece of chicken. And she let him know it. What we're talking about this morning in the Word of God is really about authority. You cannot be right with God if you don't understand authority in your life. You see, God himself set up authority. It's God that set up authority. People spend most of their life trying to fight against what actually God set up himself. See, if you fight with what God put up himself, you're going to find yourself at odds with God. God set up the family. Amen? You find it in the book of Genesis. God even set up government. God did that. God set up the third, the third institution called the church. Those are three institutions of government, of authority that he himself has set up. Now, sometimes those, those authorities are good and sometimes they're bad, depending on which way the wind blows or how many people can stuff the votes. Now, I didn't say that, but it is true. The question is today, are you and I under authority? Are you and I under authority? Because the people that Jesus was talking to, they were not under authority, and they challenged Jesus. They challenged Jesus Christ. First of all, this morning, we look at the authority of Jesus is challenged in verses 27 and 28. The Bible says in verse 27, they come again to Jerusalem, and he was walking in the temple. And remember from last time, Jesus now is in Jerusalem. For the last two Sundays, we've been talking about Jesus going to Jerusalem. He entered to Jerusalem from the Jericho Road. He would be the spotless lamb slain before the foundation of the world on that Friday. This is probably a Wednesday. The day before, he'd gone, through, he'd gone on his way to a temple. Remember, on his way to a temple, he, he cursed that old fig tree that was fruitless. Then he went to that, he went to that temple, and they were having, a, they were having a, a flea market sale inside the church. No, there was hundreds of people in that church and all types of animals. He drove them out because he wanted a, a church not filled with animals, not filled with selling stuff. He wanted a, a church filled with people who, who prayed to him, who, who loved him. And he's coming back now. And he's, they're not too happy about what's going on. The, the religious leaders are not happy what's going on. It says they come again to Jerusalem. Now he's walking in the temple. They come to him chief priests and scribes and elders and they say unto him by what authority do thou doest these things and who gave thee this authority to do these things you ever done that in your life somebody tell you to, to do something you say who who are you to tell me what to do well we're all probably been teenagers we probably said it if we didn't say it verbally we said it in our spirit didn't we you know remember some of you who were raised in the 60s the time of rebellion. Who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me to do? 
Who are these people that Jesus was talking about? Well, they're the chief priests. They're a body of men composed mainly of ex-high priests and members of the families from which the high priests were drawn. They were the religious big, big shots, uh, the aristocracy of the, of the temple. There was, the, secondly, not only the, the, the chief priests, there were the elders. They were the heads of the tribes or the tribal divisions. Every town, every city had elders in it. These elders met, made up of the grand, great Sanhedrin, which was about 71 members, or the lesser Sanhedrin, which was about 23 members. This, the Sanhedrin religious council was over the civil and criminal jurisdiction of the area. They were a body of, of religious people, Jews, who sought to maintain law and order within the, their area, especially in the areas of the temple and the religious rules around Jerusalem. They had power, the authority. They were the erudite. They were the religious folks. They knew the law inside and out and backwards and forwards. They were people who people looked up to. People thought they were authority. They wanted to know what the Lord's credentials were. They weren't happy with Jesus. They weren't happy with what they heard about Jesus. They weren't happy that people called Jesus a king, a prophet, a priest. So they came under the authority of what they believed was Moses. They used the Old Testament and the laws and laws built on the Old Testament almost like whips on the back of the people to make them set a standard. And they, they, they did all these things. They set up all these rules and regulations even beyond what the Old Testament said to believe, believing these rules and regulations would somehow, somehow get them to salvation. You know, that's actually happening in the church today. A lot of people bring up rules and regulations thinking that these rules and regulations not even found in Scripture will somehow get them to heaven. You know there's actually people believing today if they go to church it will get them to heaven. Those people actually believe if they get in that water, they'll, get, they'll, they'll, they'll save themselves by getting in some water. People believe that by taking communion or by giving some money to the church, that somehow or another that will save them. Dear friend, those are things that are not in the scriptures. But I guarantee you, if you were to visit some churches on this street, they would tell you that by doing these things, you can get yourself to heaven. Dear friend, you can never do anything to get yourself to heaven. It's not what you have done. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you. You see, if you could get yourself to heaven, Jesus Christ wouldn't have had to go to the cross and die and shed his blood so you could have everlasting life. You can do nothing to save yourself. It's only what Christ has done. That's why he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It's not through a church. It's not through a denomination. It's not doing a habit. It's not through religious rite. It's not through reading your Bible and praying and everything being okay. None of those things will get you to heaven. It's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I ask you this morning, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Not a religion. Not a just a showing up because it's something to do. Not just a giving of a tithe. Not just a, a being here, but you have a relationship with God. You see, that relationship with God is so important because it lasts outside the church. I'm so glad you're here. You're faithful and loyal to church on Sunday morning. But I want you to live for God, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday morning and on Tuesday morning and on Wednesday morning. And kids, when you go back to school, live for God. 
See, that a religion is only good when you're in church or when you're around other people who, who are so, so spiritual. But a relationship is 24-7, 365 days a year. It's always. It's always. Jesus desired with his people a relationship. Jesus desires with you a relationship. How is your relationship with Jesus Christ today? These people rejected them because they really, they rejected Jesus because they really didn't care about truth. All they cared about was money. All they cared about was them being in authority. All they cared about was their way of doing things. So often in life we find ourselves recognizing, getting to the place where we recognize that I can't do this. You ever found yourself in that situation before in your life? Maybe it's with finances, or maybe it's in your business, or maybe it's in your home. You recognize that you can't do this. These were the authorities. They said, look to us. We have all the answers. The problem was the answer was right in front of them, and they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it. They wanted other people to worship them. They wanted to be the authority. You see, friend, the only authority we have in this life is the word of God. This is the authority. This is the authority. You say, preacher, what authority do you have to pastor this church? The only authority I have to pastor this church is found in the word of God. Husbands, we say, what authority do I have to lead my family? The authority you have to lead your family is found in the word of God. Wife, what authority do you have to govern over your children? The authority you have to govern your children is found in the word of God. The authority that our government has, our city, our president, our, our governors, what authority do they have? They only have it as they have it according to the word of God. Our authority derives from the Bible. That's why we preach the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible. That's why we're supposed to live the Bible. We're supposed to be people of the book. You say, preacher, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Get in the Bible. <laughs> the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, it's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. It will tell you how to act and not act. It will tell you how to think and not think. It will tell you where to go and not go. It's the Bible. It is the source and sole authority in our life. Do you read the Bible when you're dark, going through dark times and all alone? It's a source of strength. When you're dissatisfied, depleted, and empty inside, it's like honey on the honeycomb. When you feel dirty, and wicked, and tired, and frustrated from all of the trials of life, you can go to the Word of God, and it can make you clean. Oh, how I love the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? I tell you, depending on how much you spend with the Word of God, shows how much you love the Word of God. Oh, dear friend, these were religious leaders. They were asking the question, who gave you the right to do these things? Jesus is our authority. We see his position that gave him authority. See, Jesus is God. He's the creator of the entire universe. John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made by him. Without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And by him, all things consist. He is our authority. 
He is the judge of all mankind. John chapter 5, verse 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom. Dear friend, he has a position of authority. Secondly, not only that, God gave him power of authority. God gave him power of authority. Remember, we've read through the book of Mark, great things that God has done through Jesus Christ. God gave the Lord Jesus Christ the ability to heal the person that was blind. Remember blind Bartimaeus sitting on that Jericho road who was crying out to Jesus? Jesus gave blind Bartimaeus sight. Jesus gave that woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years he made her whole. Oh, she sought the physician, spent all that she had, but she just touched Jesus one time, and she was made whole. That young lady who was only 12 years old, who was at her parents' house sleeping, yea, she was dead. Jesus came with Peter, James, and John and said, Arise, Talitha Makumi, arise, my daughter. And she arose. Jesus fed the 5,000. He fed the 3,000. Jesus did many marvelous works. Why? Because God gave him the power to do those works. You see, Jesus was given authority. Jesus was given power. But thirdly, Jesus is God because of the prophecies of Scripture given to him by authority that was fulfilled in him. The Bible says that Micah prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of Judah. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though there be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before he came, would talk about the Jesus Christ, the descendant of, of Jesse, the father of David, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall flow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge of, and fear of the Lord. Isaiah would say that he would, he would be born a virgin. And his name would be Emmanuel. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Just like Isaiah prophesied it happened just like that. It happened just like that. Moses stated way back in Genesis that one would come from the tribe of Judah. In Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Unto him shall be gathering of the people be. His way would be, a pre, would be predecessor, the predecessor would, be, would come. His name would be John the Baptist and he would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. We see that in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Behold, I will send a messenger. He shall pair the way before me. The Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, dear friend, I could go for the rest of the day and share with you prophecies from the Bible that, that happened in the Old Testament that actually came true in the New Testament hundreds of years in the future. These things are not fake. These things are not made up. One of the greatest truths and validations of the scripture is what people in the years before had said something would happen and it actually came true. That's what we find in the Bible. That's why it's so reliable. That's why we need to read it, heed it, and live it. We see the authority of Jesus is challenged. 
But secondly, in verses 29 through 30, we see the answer to a question with a question. It's verse 29, let's read it again. And Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask of you one question and answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of, or of men? Answer me. Jesus was the master communicator, wasn't he? Because he created language himself. He knew why they were asking the question. And he knew what they were going to say before they said it. And he proposed to them a beautiful question because they could not get out of it. They could not get out of it. The leaders grilled Jesus for his credentials. Jesus responded with their question by asking his own question, turning the tables against them. As I said, they didn't care about truth. All they cared about was was trying to get Jesus to be tricked, trying to get people from not listening to him, trying to get people from not following him. They tried to discredit him. They tried to question him. So they asked about John. First of all, John pointed men to the Lord Jesus. He told the Jewish people that Jesus was the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. John proclaimed that Jesus was his superior. In John chapter 1, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, I baptize you with water. But there standeth one among you whom you know not. It is, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. These men rejected John. If they rejected John, they'd be rejecting Jesus Christ. If they rejected John, they'd be rejecting Jesus Christ. If they're willing to accept, unwilling to accept the truth of John's message, they'd be, they would not benefit from the truth that Jesus was sharing with them. If they accepted John's message as from God, then they would need to accept Jesus, who was the focus of John's message. You see, they could not go either way. They were trapped. They were trapped. They could not say this was from heaven, or they could not say this is from God, because they went either way. They would be trapped, and their credibility would be destroyed. So we see the author of Jesus' challenge, the answer to Jesus' question with a question. And thirdly, verses 31 through 32, the arguments of the scribes and priests the arguments of the scribes and priests, they reason within themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why, did, why then did, did ye not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all men counted John that he is a prophet indeed. These leaders realized soon they were in a pickle. They reasoned among themselves or huddled together. They realized they could not win no matter what they say. They concluded if we say John's ministry was of men, then the people will stone us because they believe that John was a prophet. But of course, there was a greater person than who was a prophet. It was Jesus Christ. John the Baptist always pointed to, to, to Jesus. People came in the beginning of John's ministry. Are you, are you the one that's coming? Are you the Messiah? Ultimately, John would say, I must decrease. He must increase. He must increase. See, they were afraid of what people would say about him. They were afraid of peer pressure. They feared the people. You know what the Bible says, the fear of man is a snare. You can use peer pressure, peer pressure in life can keep you from doing what you, what, what you know you should do. But we can use peer pressure in a, in a right way. It depends on how you use it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs 4, 14, and 15, enter not in the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass it, pass it not by it, turn from it, and pass away. 
Don't let evil influence you, dear friend. Choose to be a good influence on other people. This last week, I read the story about a man by the name of Jeff Jernigan. He wrote in his book, The Power of a Loving Man. In eighth grade, like a lot of us in eighth grade, he struggled with math. How many of you struggle with math? How many of you still struggle with math? <laughs> he was struggling with math. He got to the place in his, in his learning where he started to cheat. You know, he, he tried to cheat, cheat, cheat his way through math. Well, he had a teacher, and teacher had seen all of his tricks, and <clears throat> teacher caught him. Instead of kicking him out or failing him, he said, I'm going to invest in this young man. His teacher invested in Jeff, encouraged him, helped him, spent extra time with him. And he went from somebody who was making an F in school to, in math to someone who's making an A in school. All because this teacher saw this young man and said, I want to try to help him. I want to try to encourage him. I want to try to bolster him up and give him confidence in this area of math. This young man, about 10 years later, trusted in Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he thought about the importance of having good influences in life. How important it is. The Bible says in Psalm 144, 143, verse 8, Cause me to hear that loving kindness in the morning, for in thee I do trust. Cause me to know the way that I should walk, wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Dear friend, we need to know the way that we should walk. How do you know the way you should walk? A lot of times we're instructed by the people that are around us in life. Do you listen to people? Do they instruct you? Do they teach you? Do they guide you? Do, do you listen to what they're saying? Do you know the difference between right instruction and, or wrong instruction? That's why the Bible says, He that walketh wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Spend your time with people who love the word of God. Spend time with people who listen to authority. If you spend your time with people who are always fighting against authority, it won't be long you'll be fighting against authority yourself. I found this out in Bible college. I remember going to Bible college, Bob Jones University. I started hanging around some people. They were always negative about administration. They, had, they were getting their degree in administration, and none of them knew about administration. They started talking about negative this and negative that, and we can't do this and we can't do that. Before long, I found myself saying the parodying the same words. And even though these people were my friend, I said to, my, to those folks, I can't be with you anymore. I may not always agree with everybody, but by the grace of God, you know what? I place myself under the authority. I mean to listen to the authority that God has allowed me to listen to. So often in, in life, we do our own thing. We question, we question them. Number, number four, the answers to the challenges of Christ. Verse 33, it says, And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Neither do I tell you about what authority do I, do I answer, do I do... But what authority I do these things. These religious leaders questioned Jesus and the Lord, ending up questioning them. Their motives was to entrap the Lord, but in the end, they were trapped themselves. Right here, they could have acknowledged. They could have stopped and said, we believe you, Jesus. We trust in you, Jesus. We follow you, Jesus. They could have bowed their heads and their hearts and said, we will follow you, but instead... They rejected Jesus Christ. How many people are in hell today because they reject the authority of Jesus Christ? They want to go their own way. They want to do their own thing. They got their own, they got their way, their own path. They got their own instructions. They got their own, their own uh, plan in life. Oh, dear friend, I'm so thankful at 17 
at 525 Taylor's Road in Taylor, South Carolina. Marty Moon recognized for the first time, though I'd heard the gospel so many times before, I recognized because of the authority of the Word of God, the preacher who preached the Word of God, that I was a sinner on my way to hell. I'm so thankful that I submitted to that truth. That I wasn't fighting against it. I wasn't trying to say, well, he's talking about that guy or that person. No, for the first time in my life, I saw the gospel of Jesus Christ and it was for me. It was for me. I needed to be saved on that day. I'm so glad I submitted to the word of God. And so that's what the Bible says. And that's what the Bible says. I need to obey it. I need to bow my heart. I need to bow my head. I need to place my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad that next summer at camp, when the preacher got up and said, won't you live for Jesus? Won't you give your life for him? I could have said, I'm not listening to that sermon. I could have said, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm so glad, but only by the grace of God, that he gave me the ability to obey him and go down that aisle at the Wilds Christian camp and said, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to place myself. I'm going to submit myself to the authority of this book and to the will of God. So many people fight against God's will. Dear friend, I beg you, submit to God's will. Submit to it in your life. There's no path. There's no peace like submitting to God's will. And say, Lord, thy will be done. You see, why was, why was Jesus Christ so great? Because he was willing to submit himself to the will of the Father. He was willing to say yes to his Father. And even though he was going through some pain, even though he was going through some punishment, even though he was going through, going through some difficulty, he was willing to submit himself to the Father. So, time, so often times in life we get upset, we get angry. We cause ourselves so much harm and, and, and confusion and problem because we get proud. We get unteachable. We won't listen. We want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing. We want to think our way is the right way instead of submitting to God. That's exactly what happened to these people. They got proud. They got proud of their heritage. They got proud in their knowledge. They got proud in their learning. And they thought, even though they were before the very word of God, Jesus Christ, that their way was right. But their way was the way of destruction. Dear friend, our pride is the way of destruction. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 13, 10, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well of buys is wisdom. Proverbs 29, 23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. What's your attitude towards God this morning? Is your attitude, he's not going to tell me what to do. He's not going to, he's not, I'm my own person. I, I, I'm going to do it my way. I'm, I'm going to go my own direction. I'm going I'm to follow my own path. I remember when I was a teenager, I was witnessing to a friend, a friend that, that I'd known for many years. I told this friend, once you get saved, once you turn to Christ, once you place your, your faith and, and trust in him alone, to save you from your sin. And I can remember that friend, just like yesterday, said to me, someday I'll get saved. Right now, I want to party. Right now, in my youth, I want to do things for myself. Right now, I want, to, I want to follow my own path. That was nearly 30 years ago. Dear friend, that person is still going his own way. 
He's going to his own path. He didn't listen to God then. He's not listening to God now. You see, God speaks at a specific time and a specific place to specific people. And so often in times in life, we'll say no to God right now. And we think sometimes, well, I can just get saved anytime I want to. Well, dear friend, you got you to listen. When the God speaks to you, now's the time to get right with God. Now's the time to get saved. Don't say do it someday. No, that someday may never happen. There are people literally right now in hell who thought someday I'll get right with God. No, dear friend, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Now's the time to be right with God. In every area of your, of your life, are you under the authorities that God has placed in your life to the best of your ability? Teenagers, are you properly under the authority of your parents? I mean, do you obey your parents? Like, doing what you're told, when you're told, with the right attitude? Now, attitude's a kicker, isn't it? Sometimes you do what you, they say, and sometimes you slowly do act the way they're supposed to act, but do you honor them? Do you have the right attitude? Do you have the right attitude? Or you get mad every time they tell you to do something, thinking now you're 16 or 17 years old, old and you got everything figured out. You're 16 and 17. Now you got it all figured out. No, dear friend, you ain't got it all figured out yet. Trust me. You got it. You're just, you're just now getting down. You're just now starting down the road. You got to live life. You got to live life a little bit farther down the path. You, do you employ employees? Do you listen to your boss? Do you listen to the authorities that God has placed in your life? You say, well, man, the authorities I place in my life, man, they don't always, they don't always do what's right. Well, I don't, I've never had a boss in my entire life 100% do everything is right. Have you? I never have, never will. And we who are the employee, employers, we don't always, always make right decisions. But, dear friend, I was talking about this Wednesday night. I'm not responsible for the obedience of those over me. I'm responsible for the obedience under me. And I'm disobedient to those who are over me, the ones that are looking at me, Say, well, you're not obeying God. Why should I obey God? You hear what I'm saying to you tonight? You have, to, you have a relationship with God yourself. You have a relationship with your boss yourself. What other people do is different. Yeah, you should pray for them. Yes, we should pray for all our authorities. Yes, we should, we should encourage them. We should vote the right way according to the, our convictions and principles found in the word of God. But when we have those who are over us who are, doing, who are not doing right, we ought to obey them to the degree we can obey. You know what? We say, well, man, it's tough nowadays. Well, think about this period of time where they were actually hunting and killing Christians. Jesus was saying to obey the Romans even in the time when the Romans were killing the Christians. Remember, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God's. We say, well, man, I don't, I don't want to be an authority. The, the authority is corrupt. Dear friend, some authority is better than no authority. Thank God we've got some authority, even though the authority is not always great. Thank God for the authority we've given us. Some people say, well, I don't want any help. I don't need any help. I'm going to do it my way. And we always find ourselves in trouble. I watched an interesting movie last night, a film with my wife. It was called 13 Lives. If you've seen it. Many of you may have remembered in July, of, or actually started in June 2008, there was a soccer team in Thailand. They just got done playing. One of the boys was getting ready to have a birthday party, and they decided before the birthday party to go to the 
go to a cave and just go out there and just have fun. You know, it would be nice and cool in the cave. It would be fun in the cave. So they decided to go to this cave. Well, monsoon season came a little bit early that year. Usually it doesn't come in July, but it came in June. came in June. They got, about, they got about two and a half miles down in that cave, and the waters came. It flooded them, and they could not get out. Actually, there was over some 5,000 volunteers from 17 different countries who came to help these 12 boys who were like from 8 years old up to 16-year-old and one 25-year-old coach get out. They asked for help. Eventually, these two British uh, divers who had much experience in going into caves and, and going through water found them and eventually figured a way to get them out. Now, I'm not going to tell you how they, got, how they got them out. You're going to have to watch this movie or read it about it for yourself. But it was very interesting how they got all those boys out. But I was thinking to myself this morning, I was preparing this message, what if the country of Thailand said, you know what? We're, going, we're not going to listen to everybody else. Everybody's going to say, this is how you get those boys out. We're going to use our own navy. We're going to use our own people. We don't want anybody else to come in this country. We don't want anybody else to tell us how to do it. These are our kids. These are our boys. We're going to figure it out for ourselves. You know what will happen? They'd all be dead today. They'd all been dead today. They wouldn't have listened to instruction. They wouldn't listen to other people who came from the outside and said, you know what, this is the way we need to do it. This is the only way we're going to save these boys. It's the only way they're going to do it. If they would have went their way, those boys would have been dead today. It would have been 13 graves and probably a bunch more people because we didn't even try to save them. But they listened. You know how to survive in life? Listen to the Bible. The only way you're going to survive, young man, the only way you're going to survive, young lady, the only way you're going to survive, husband, wife, grandparent, the only way you're going to survive is to listen to the instruction of this book. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. This is your only hope. If you go any other direction, there will be destruction, pain, and sorrow for the rest of your life. If you go any other way, but God's way. Oh, dear friend, how important is it for us? The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and, all thy, and, and lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Will you, will you let him lead you? Will you let God lead you? Will you let him direct you? Will you, let him, will you let him decide what you're supposed to do in life? Or will you just get up on your back heels and say, I'm going to do it my way. Ask Frank, Frank Sinatra how it is his way right now. If we could bring him back. He wouldn't sing that song right now. If he could come back, he'd sing, I wish I went it God's way. Bill Gates, someday he'll, 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 as rich as he is, someday he'll bow his head and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Steve Jobs, the one who, who created these things, and I'm so glad he did. If he could come back and say something to us today, he would say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Hitler, if Hitler could come back today, he would cry, he would weep. He would say, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in that Jew. He would say it. 
if Stalin could come back and Mussolini could come back, they would all cry out, they would all scream, the Bible's true. The sad thing is so many people will leave this world, they'll close their eyes in death thinking their way is right and they'll be 100% wrong. How many thousands, yea, millions of people stand before Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ will say to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Dear friend, you either go God's way or you go your own way. The way of the transgressor. Your way is the hard way. I beg you this morning to submit to the authority of the word of God. It is the path of peace for your life. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, forgive us, Father, of our pride. Forgive, forgive us of our arrogance. Forgive us, Lord, of going our own way, our own direction. Lord, it is the path of destruction. All of us from time to time, Lord, go that direction. Lord, help us to see it, realize the truth of the Word of God, and be a submissive to the authority of the Word of God before it's too late. Before we find ourselves in trouble, before we find ourselves in prison, before we find ourselves in judgment. May we submit to the authority of the word of God, knowing that he knows what's best for us. Maybe here this morning someone say, Preacher, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I've never submitted my will to the will of God. I've never said to the Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've never said to the Lord Jesus, I need to be saved. I've never called on him to save my soul from hell. I'm trying to live for God my own way. I'm trying to do things my own way. I don't know Christ is my Savior, but I need to. I need to be saved today. I've never submitted myself to God, but today I'm going to do it. With head bowed and eyes closed, how many say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I need to be saved. I'm not saved, but I need to be saved. I fought against it. I've warred against it. Maybe you're even a part of the church. Maybe you're a church member or son and daughter of the church, but you don't. You're doing your own way. You're living your own life.